Welcome, everyone, to the new media show. My name is Todd Cockhorn, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee, whose new computer once again kicked his butt. Good morning, Rob. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Todd. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's a brand new Surface uh, 6 uh, or Surface Pro 6, so I'm trying to get it all set up. i got a whole new office set up. I know we're in the middle of, and both of us are in the middle of a transition here and trying to get things uh jiggered around i think your project is a is a little bit more severe than mine i think to some degree <laughs> yeah I, I think i think so i've uh yeah i've had i've had an interesting week <laughs> and matter of fact uh i'm on the neighbor's wi-fi right now because the uh, spectrum internet's not working in the studio or the well what is to be the studio so i i must have bummed something i don't know we'll, we'll see but um no, it's been a. I'm I'm actually afternoon now. I'm not morning. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting uh, having to do the show at noon versus uh, six a.m. So uh, it's it's a nice change. But yeah, I am uh, I'm I am now in Michigan officially. Wow! Well, congratulations, you you, you survived it so far, right? <laughs> yeah. So what I did was uh, I got in on um, Sunday of last week and, of course, jet lagged for a couple of days, but immediately got into this, uh, the new studio and uh, started making plans and called uh, the Internet people, called, uh, got my security cameras ordered, got my security system ordered, uh, did a walkthrough with my sister on what I wanted to change and then got a contract on hire. So this week's been involved with security cameras, security systems, knocking out walls, changing partitions. Um, I think I am about 70% ready for for move-in. Of course, I broke the internet here last hour, so I don't know. What I was doing, I was running a new run, and I must have done something because the tenant that was in here before, I found a switch, an old switch in the top of the roof. Hooked to the, uh, well, going to a utility room where there's, uh, where the, where the you know, internet connection comes in. And, uh, so anyway, I got that all, it was working just fine. And then I didn't like how the one run was. And I ran a new run and <laughs> nothing's working. So anyway, I did something. So we'll see. May, or maybe it's just out. But I'm on the, uh, the neighbor's, uh, Wi Fi, the Maytag laundry next door. <laughs> <laughs> So, how has this uh, had an impact on your uh, your your connection with your company and being able to to be be a little closer to to the team? Well, this week's been a little crazy, obviously, because it you know I'm doing business stuff during the day and then uh, you know working in here at night trying to get the you know get ready for the twenty foot container that'll be here in a couple of weeks. Which is, as a matter of fact, I got a notification yesterday. It is on the ground in Long Beach. It's not the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, so that's a good sign. And um, so I go down to Columbus next week. I'll be in the Columbus office uh, all of next week. So I drive down there Monday morning. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I would say that the last couple of weeks have been pretty pretty big news times for the podcasting space with Apple's changes and and uh, you know. The ad revenue for podcasting—it looks like it's uh, it's growing, and and it seems like it's heading in the right direction. I don't know where do you want to start with all this stuff, Todd. 
Well, um, let's start with the Apple announcement. Uh, and unfortunately, I would say fortunately, there hasn't been a super freakout uh, yet. Um, well, nothing's nothing's really changed much yet. That's the thing, right? Right, right. So, I think we'll have to see what happens. But the um, the bigger concern I had initially was is okay the the reshaping or reshifting or redoing of the categories is probably you know years overdue. And um, yeah, right. I would have liked a little bit of a heads up, but that's not how Apple does business. And so we had. Uh, you know, kind of talked about a little bit on social media. There wasn't too much of an explosion. And then on, uh, I guess, the day after uh, they announced it, uh, I had about a hour and a half back-and-forth discussion with Steve Wilson over at Apple and just trying to get some, some lowdown. And I'm sure he was multitasking with other people as well. But I, uh, the main thing podcasters have to be aware of, they don't have to do nothing. Apple is going to remap. If you're in a category like yep. the tech subcategory podcast that's going away, they're just going to move you up, move you up into a uh, higher category. Right. So initially, you don't have to do anything. And I don't know if this means that the categories are going to become locked at some point and changes that people are going to make are not going to be effective or when they roll out the new iOS version or, excuse me, the new Mac OS version – is this going to go into effect and they roll it then? That 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 isn't clear yet to me, at least. But um, I was assured by Steve that we would not need to change anything. And then what will happen is, as soon as uh, they roll the changes out, you know, I'm sure you guys and us mm-hmm. will, you know, throw the switch on our internal systems and people will be able to select the new categories. I don't think it's a good idea to have these new category selections out until. Apple has them available. All right. Well, I mean, I suppose you could set them up where people could come in and, and select them, and then they just don't go go live yet until Apple accepts them. But but what what happens when they're in a category that doesn't exist in their internal system yet? You know, that's the concern I would have. So um, yeah. Well, I mean, Apple's not going to see it anyway, are they? Well, I I, I don't know. You know, all of a sudden, do you because it's not implemented on the Apple website? If you change the category, if they've got some code in the back end right. that's ready, and you come in and pick a new subcategory, and all of a sudden that subcategory is not public on Apple, but it's implemented, you could end up disappearing. <laughs> you know, I so I think we're going to have a call with the team and and answer get some of these questions right. answered, but. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm 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 doing the same thing, trying to get you know clarity on this so we can have a process because I think that's the key is is that I, I think we all have to have a process on how we're going to transition right on the back end as well as on the front end with the podcasters so it's easy for them to come in and they have time to do it too because that's my big concern is that Apple f- flips the switch and the podcasters haven't made their selections yet. And, you know, then things change a little bit out of their control. Um, that would be my own Well, I, I don't think it'll change out of their control. Like I said, they're going to get moved right. one way or the other. Right. You know, and then, you know, you're post-haste, you're going to have to come in and, you know, select your new categories. And then, you know, 
the normal Apple process, I would assume, of updating would uh, would take place. Right. Yeah. Well, so. we'll see how this rolls out. This is, you know, this is, this is the first time Apple has changed their their categories ever since since the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and it's definitely been needed for you know, I would say probably a good ten years. Yeah, and here's something interesting. I asked them. Um, I asked Steve, why did you folks not add a LGBTQ category? Because it's people have asked for that. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, that's a lifestyle. It's not a well, – he didn't use that word. Let me be careful. I don't want to get him in trouble. So just so I know is none of the – what I'm saying is not what Steve said exactly. Okay, so this is Todd's words. Right. Let's be careful here because I don't want to – because. There's this is a very sensitive wording topic. Um, so he said that football is a topic. Um, basketball, um, business management, those are topics. Right. He said if, um, in, in essence, what he said is if they added um, LGBTQ, then they would have to add also a. Uh, people of color, they would have to add women, they would they would have to add all these other categories and I I understand where he's where they're coming from because it's not what's the I, I, he had something, he, the way he said it made perfectly sense, I think he's had the politically correct way to say it but um, you know personally I still think that there is a need for a category like that Right. But um, because there's definitely lifestyle discussions that go along with that. And, right. and you know, so, you know, I've but always had podcast a, awards, always supported LGBTQ right. category. But I, I think I agree with the concept of where, where maybe he's coming from or they're coming from is that it, it, it's not, I mean, I suppose it could be specifically a a, a topic, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a tough question. I think it 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 strays into an area when it's almost like it's you know that could open up a whole another you know topic of other mm-hmm. types of genres, right? That um, are not specifically topics, but they're. But you're right. It's like. Should should we have a woman category or something like that? I, yeah, I, mean, and, I could see that being part of this discussion. And, and, you know, and I think yeah, with Tim right. and you know Tim's um, openly gay and the at Apple, so um, you know it's and it's not a lifestyle. It's just a, it, it is what it is, right? People say LGBTQ is a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It. They're either lesbian, gay, bi. It, it's just a fact, right? Well, and Todd, I think also the secondary question to that is: is that um, sure a lot of um, those folks could talk about other topics, um, but do we need to identify them as as their as as their sexual preference as a as an orient as a content orientation genre? Um, well, or, they want that. Or is it only just um, talking about that sexual orientation is what goes into that? And if that's the case, then it is – you could consider it to be a content genre then, right? Right. 
So I think they would argue for that. Right. But but then again, and again, I'm not speaking for Apple in any way. You know, do they come back and say, okay, then do they need a old white guy category? Right. You know, so, okay, I'm just, yeah, and, and someone's going to blister me here via email. I, I know it. Well, I, I don't, I don't profess to be completely, completely correct in all verbiage of how I'm supposed to say stuff. So please don't abuse me or just educate me if I'm saying something wrong. Right. So, well, and, and is th- this probably a valid um, question I hadn't thought of is, is in new types of content genres that we hadn't thought of before. Um, and it's, I mean, it's not like this genre really hasn't existed because you've been supporting it in the yeah. podcast awards for years now. Um, because so there's specific shows dedicated to that category. Right. Yeah, and they don't right, want right. to say to that category. Yeah. Right. It is, a, in, my, in my opinion, it is a category. Yeah. Because I don't consider it a, again, it's, in some people, some people say it's a lifestyle. Well, it's not a cat, it's not a lifestyle, it's a category, category right. of content. Right. And I could think of a bunch of others that could probably fit into that as well. That, right. Um, right. Me are, being heterosexual is a lifestyle. You know, just come on. It's whatever. Right. You know, right. or atheism or whatever. I mean, right. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of lifestyle decision um, areas that have shows. You know? Yeah, but I think the key here is it's not a decision. That's the point they were trying to make. It is. Yeah. No, it I is, get it. I, I get it, you but it's also, you, you know, this topic <laughs> could include those types of decision areas as well, well right. Um, right? not just those that, you know, are, are in because, this Because, you know, you've got, area. you've got teenagers that are struggling, that are in the closet and afraid to come out, and those shows help, I'm right. sure, help tremendously those that are struggling with this. So, well, th- anyway, I'm it, sure it, Apple so will will hear the feedback from the community and and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Potentially, I, I don't know. I mean, making category changes is not something that you want to do on a regular basis. No, and I said to him, I said, I'm sure you're going to get a thousand more suggestions. And he said, we considered thousands of categories. And I was like, whoa, wow, whoa. To say the you know, until you put it that way, they must have had a pretty big list that they pared down, right? And I guess it does raise another question is um, how often or how regular should we make adjustments to the categorization of podcasts? And do It's long overdue. Do we have um, an obligation or a need to, to develop processes and how we do this that makes it easier to update categories in the future? I mean, is there things that we need to work out with Apple and other other apps in the ecosystem here to to make um, it possible to make changes to categories much easier I you know right. because it does feel like you know I thought about this a lot even back when I was working on on zoom um, of, of would we want to roll out different categories because I saw a need for this a long 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 time ago Um and it was just, you know, do you, as a platform, do you stick your neck out like that? Um, well, for us, you know, right. because we run a directory and we followed the the uh, the Apple category listings. I'm in right. a conundrum now. What do I do? Do I 
you know, do I now have to build code? First of all, you know, adding the categories is not a problem or right. subtracting some categories. That's an easy thing within our system. But then do I have to go in and, you know, 30 days after the dust has settled here a little bit, do I have to go in and go then and remap shows to if they've changed their category? Typically, I stick them where they are and we do the initial poll and we don't go back in and and change their location right. in our system. Well, Todd, also there's a bigger question too. Um, and this gets back to, I, I guess, Apple's um, market position in the podcasting sphere. Um, what if you look to the future and Apple is not the dominant listening platform for podcasting? Um, should Apple be the the one that makes these choices for the industry, or should the industry make these choices? Um, you know, it you know it gets back to who who is the one that's making these choices for the podcasting space? Mm-hmm. Is it Apple or is it the industry? And and I I would I would push back and say say a little bit that I would prefer it to come out of the industry. Um, and then have the the companies that support podcasting to follow what the industry kind of like what is going on with the IEB and V2's you know specs for metrics. I don't know. And what's your thoughts on that? Well, I you know here's the thing. Now, what is the let's think about the trickle down effect here. All right. Does Spotify rely on categories at this point? Hmm. Yeah, to some degree. I All right. Does Google? Mm, Google no. currently not so much, but I can see it in their future. No. What about all these apps that are out there? I would say that the apps are probably more dependent on it than anybody else. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the apps up to this point have adopted the the Apple category structure. Right. Why did why did they do that? They didn't have to do that. That wasn't that wasn't a. They didn't have to choose that because it's you know the default it? selection that's in the um, the the RSS feed based on the um, the namespace um, usage of the Apple iTunes namespace, right. right? And what it, what are most of these apps doing? How do they get their directory listings from Apple? Or I just answered the question. They get right. it from Apple through through the APIs. That's through the API because they've been too lazy to build their own platform. Right, and to, I mean, been been having discussions with some of these apps about maybe having a separate submission process. You know, that's more like, you know, the the bigger players in the space. There, there's no reason why you know um, Overcast can't get their their podcast directly from the directories and directly from podcasters. They don't have to be reliant on Apple to get them all their podcasts. Well, they very much are at this point. And this right. is why Apple has control of the category listings. Right. Because the app developers have been largely too, I didn't build my system that way. I, mean, I don't have dependence yeah. on, on Apple. We as an industry have given control to Apple as well. Yes, we have. Right. Because we and, haven't you, taken taken responsibility for our own industry yet, and and also it's right. a lot cheaper when you're using someone else's dollar, right? And server resources, 
and database queries. It's a lot cheaper when you don't have to do that yourself. Matter of fact, no other industry has been given such a gift. The podcast community right. and the podcast apps, by and far large, I don't, I, there might be one or two that don't pull from the Apple API. No one else, no other apps in the space have such a such a free ride. You think about it. Their overhead to run those apps is very, very minimal. Right. Because they're just doing API calls to Apple. They don't have to run servers. They don't have to parse RSS feeds. Mm-hmm. Right. Quite as much. I mean, I suppose they don't have they to do, do discovery. To some degree. Right. No. So this is a part of the reason. See, it goes right back. It's, it's, uh, we, we've, I'll take it all the way back to June of 2000, July of 2005. Right. What we saw prior to Apple coming into the space is innovation. We saw cool apps coming out. We saw all kinds of crazy, great development. And each of those app developers were required and did run their own databases, ran their own servers. Well, there wasn't apps, excuse me. There were applications, and those applications rested on a desktop, and they and they built that all in. So, when Apple came on the scene and introduced the iTunes portion of this in '05, what happened immediately? Innovation stopped. Application right. innovation stopped. And then everyone got lazy. And when the mobile space started, and they still oh, Apple's got an API. Just you know, I'm 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 a I'm a you know, with a, I'm, I'll take a couple of guys and write an app. We're just going to parse data. Yeah, we have to write a little interface for users. Sure, we have to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But they didn't have to do a heavy lift. They don't have to pull 700,000 RSS feeds every two to three hours. So we have no one to blame but ourselves. And when people bitch about it, Go right back to say, okay, are you do you stand on your own in the ecosystem, or do you are you being fed? Are you dependent on Apple? Right. I I have no sympathy. I'm sorry. I'm just. Well, I mean, it's if you th- really think back to the early days of this medium when Apple got in, they were they were. Um. I mean, to be real honest about it, they were a little bit on the, the I hate to say this now because they, they, they are such a, you know, I would say across the board, they've been really, really good to the podcasting space. But, um, back in the early days, they were very, uh, concerned about their brand, um, that pod, you know, you know, with the iPod and a lot of the companies that were in the space that were using the term pod, um, Apple sent cease and desist letters to, cause That's they, right. They wanted to have a stronger control of the podcasting market. They wanted to make it um, their own. Um, And that was, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of people forget that, that Apple was pretty aggressive in the early days about um, trying to capture, you know, you know, keep their brand intact because podcasting had had adopted that that, um, iPod or that pod brand and associated with it with this new medium and and to some degree it's not much of an issue anymore because um apple doesn't use that ipod brand anymore 
Um, so th- there wasn't, or there currently isn't any motivation on the part of Apple to, to go after companies that are using that, that iPod or that pod brand anymore. But that, mm-hmm. that was something that happened very on that kind of stifled some, some new companies and startups that were getting involved in the medium that maybe would have brought some, you know, some new ideas to the, to the space. Yeah. Well, I just think that uh, it's one of those situations where, you know, Apple, you know, probably in the background were like, yeah, we'll just keep giving them a little crack. <laughs> no, yeah. just keep feeding them, you know. I, and Apple, I know you're listening, so don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, we'll keep feeding them some API. Right. We'll get free data, database queries. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll kind of throttle those that are just coming in and sucking stuff out for the app people. We'll just we'll just keep giving it to them. <laughs> well, because Todd, if you really stand back and you look at it, um, Apple has a much higher percentage than the as far as the foundation of podcast listening. I think it's the consumption based on Apple's data or Apple sourced um, in the podcast space is probably closer to eighty five percent. Of the market, right? Because of all the API calls to all these other apps. Yep. It's definitely a lot higher than, I mean, Apple is like, you know, and I'm not sure that people really realize the the real dominance that Apple has in this medium. And and I I think it's very important to, to work with those folks and to be, be, you know, welcome them into the community. I mean, they have such an important place in the medium. I just... You know, I've been talking to the folks there for a long time. I'm going to be actually there speaking to them in a week and a half or so. But, um, to who? To Apple. Oh, okay. But but they're, they have such an important place in the medium that, you know, I just wish they could participate more at the conferences and at the events and be more well, We know there. that's not Apple's way, Rob. They don't I, do that. Well, I... I tend I sometimes see some cracks in that uh philosophy when I when I talk to them. I know Steve is pretty out there um in Twitter and things like that. I mean, but and and he's told me that he's he he has an interest and would like to get on panels at these events and things like that and to some degree he can do limited things. Uh, he just can't get up on stage and actually talk directly to the community about Apple, but he can mm-hmm. get up on stages as Steve and do something, right? Um, he has yet to kind of do that that I've seen, but um, we'll we'll see. You know, over time, yep. maybe this this um, the situation with Apple being able to participate a little deeper level with the community um, will change. I don't yeah. I don't know. It's hard yeah, to say. Potentially. Yeah. Well, it'll it's going to wash out one way or the other. But right. anyway, so you know, I guess the death of iTunes finally, except right. on Mac. I mean, except on Windows, which is weird. And, well, I think uh, that's coming. I would say yeah. that it would be surprising if they left um, the iTunes application on on Windows um, with the old application for very right. long. That. You know, but I do. You know, we do need to say too that uh, just because Apple makes this change doesn't mean that iTunes is going away anytime soon. Um, actually, you know, you think about. You know, I did. I was involved in this with the Zune platform too. It took 
like five years for Zoom Marketplace to go away. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are going to continue to use iTunes. Um, it, it's, it's basically a transition process that uh, Apple has, has started here, right? They're going to make new apps available at some point, and they're going to be transitioning people to start using the, the new apps. But it's not like they're going to say, you know, next week um, you can't use iTunes anymore. <laughs> well, one thing that's going to be important is that there's going to be an Apple Podcast app or program right on the dock, right in the Mac. So that's going to be huge. Yeah, I um, think it's a. I think it's a terrific move on the part of of Apple. But if you think about it, the Apple Mac is doesn't have a big market share. I mean, if if Apple wants to transition that business, um, they need to include you know the 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 Windows platform too. There's there's hundreds of millions of users over there that they're going to miss out on on connecting with, and a, a lot of there's a lot of people out there that have an iPhone that use Windows. So, um, not that those things are necessarily 100% connected anymore. And I think that's the bigger message here somewhat. Um, and the consumption of podcasting on desktops just in general is is starting to decline, uh, or it's been declining for years. But um, I think that the other thing that's going on here that hasn't been talked about too is, is that um, uh, Mac and I, iOS, I believe, are merging uh, and that that could be well. It's a not a lot of the actually not um, only in because you, well, they're given they're given iPad its own OS at this point. So I, I don't yeah. think you can see a merge. Well, it's that's that's clearly the direction that Apple's going. Though, if you think about the big picture of technology, the fact that they have a split um, operating system, um, Windows went through this too. Um, or they were trying to support, you know, an iPad type of experience, a tablet type of experience, and they basically merged the operating system into one operating system. And I think that 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 is that's going to save Apple a lot of lot of money on on development time. And if they can, you know, instead of having you know split operating systems, um, you know. It, it also causes less issues around apps and all sorts of stuff. So I, I agree with you, Todd. It's it's not happening anytime really soon, but I think that could be some of somewhat of the motivation of them um, dropping the um, the current um, iTunes application and transitioning over to more of an iOS type of app experience. Well, time will tell. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. But lots of other stuff going on in the space, Rob. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of uh, lots of news. Oh, I'm 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 in the chat room. Oh, Rick. Well, that was from before. If you're in the chat room over on newmediashow.com forward slash live, make sure you log in and say hello. Yeah, uh, uh, let us know what our volume sounds like. Uh, all sorts of stuff because we're we're doing a little bit of a new process here. It'd be great to get your feedback on on how how the show sounds and. That kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I've just been obviously kind of uh, distracted because of this move. But uh, yeah. um, lots of what, what other stuff you see going on that we should talk about. There's another topic that was top of mind. 
Well, um, based on some of the data that's coming out from, from Voxnest yeah. and, and um, talk about Spotify seems to be um, kind of taking over podcast listening as far as um, a, a majority position um, in many more countries around the world. Uh, yeah, we don't see that, see the same data you're seeing, so it's kind oh, of interesting. Oh, you're not? Okay. Yeah. I don't, so It's going to be interesting to see if that's mostly Android users or or what but so you're seeing a bigger jump you're seeing spotify becoming the dominant in some countries well they're they're taking over the leadership position you know away from apple if i mean if and and it actually makes makes a little bit of sense i mean as you think about um other countries outside of the u.s um being so dominant in android adoption and and spotify is is pretty pretty dominant mm. on the the android platform um so are these actually new listeners then you think yeah let me go in and look at it a little deeper but um i believe it's just consumption of podcasts um because over there. you would think that it wouldn't shift if they're using you would think these would be new listeners not yeah new listeners be. but if it is if it's new listeners in quantity and making up new percentages, that's fantastic. If it's new, if it's ex- the same listeners that have switched from a an, a podcast app to Spotify, then that doesn't bode well for the the app makers. Right. Well, it's it's probably a little bit of of all all of those type of situations. Um, I just don't. I still don't find the Spotify experience. It's hard to find shows. Right. No, I Very think it difficult. has a lot of lot of work that needs to happen to 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 make it a better experience. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, just to me, it's I, I, I maybe I'm just old school, but I know that my shows are going to be there. I don't have to. I don't have to hunt and pack and type. I just open the app. I click play because I go to the show. I go to the show that I've subscribed to, and I. Click play and I, I'm in. It's no more. It's more difficult than that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully these Spotify folks are new listeners, and they're discovering new shows. I'm I'm hoping that's the case. Well, the data is showing um, that the movement uh, of Spotify gaining more more dominance in the podcast listening is happening. It looks like um, primarily in South America. Mm. Is where where a lot of the the growth is, Finland, Hungary, and in the Indonesian markets, and that may have something to do with Spotify's um, large presence in those countries, just yeah, in a general so, sense. Um, yeah. And you know, the Spanish speaking markets uh, are pretty pretty strong users of the Spotify platform. Yeah. Mm. So you were down in Nashville? Yeah, I was down at PodX. Yeah. So how many people attended this thing? This thing kind of stuck on people and they didn't really do a good job even advertising it. Yeah, I mean, I mean I kind of put it in the same realm as um somewhat my my experience um at um PodCon. So it's kind of a similar type of an event. It's it's an event that's trying to merge 
um, live shows, you know, live on stage shows um, uh-huh. with a, a a conference that has panels and keynotes and things like that. So um, they said they were expecting two thousand people. Is that mm, how many? People I don't think attended? it got there. I think it was probably less than a thousand. Is my guess. And what was the mix of it of listeners and podcasters? Uh, I think it was a fairly balanced mix. I thought it was a very interesting event because um, usually what we've seen in the past is um, these podcasting events um, either being really dominant fan events or they've been Uh um, really dominant kind of podcast conferences with educational focus, right? Where this one tried to tried to walk a walk a balanced line between that. It's like they had simultaneous live podcasts going on at the same time that they had conference sessions going on. Um, mm. So people going to this could bounce between going to a live podcast um, on stage uh, or that they could go to, to an educational session. And then there was also a exhibition area too, which is, you know, had a booth there, uh, we, we didn't even get invited. We didn't even get any marketing materials. I've never heard about it. So it's, I know. it's I, bizarre. I, I agree. I, um, we kind of had to kind of like put an all-out press effort to try and get involved in the event. Because <laughs> th- there wasn't really any other companies involved from the space um, outside of um, more more of the content networks. I, you know, like – wow. You know, like Stitcher was a sponsor, Wondery was a sponsor, uh, and actually Netflix was there with a uh, know, with a recording. That's um, bizarre, booth, right? So, so it was an interesting, you know, different type of an event. I mean, I would say, you know, I gave a lot of feedback to the to the organizers around what was good, what was not so good, you know. But it wasn't. It was an interesting event because there was a balance between. Uh, there was a lot of new people that were there to to listen to podcasts or go to the live sessions, but there was also a lot of podcasters um, there also. So ones that huh. were doing shows. Um, I I would say it was more of a regional event. Um, yeah. Than, than it was a national event, and. Um, I hope we see more events kind of like this, I think, over over time. Because um, I think bringing in listeners um, is actually really, really good. Because what it does is that a lot of those listeners are contemplating starting a podcast. <laughs> so I you know, I told Mackenzie, I said, well, what's this? did we even hear about this thing? And she said, we heard about it, but they... They never, we could never get any information from them. So I'm just like, okay, you're, I guess something. And I, and I heard they were expecting 2000 people. I'm like, how did this slip by the radar? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had the same experience and just kind of, you know, encouraged our way in the door and talked to the organizers and got a hold of them and really just kind of, kind of made an all that press push to get involved somehow so <laughs> yeah so both both the uh, rob walsh and i flew flew back to nashville and and did the event so it was interesting Good. yeah well yeah i guess uh you know and you're you really when you have no clue on what something's going on how can you support something that is you know yeah where it's just 
mum's the word. Well, I think they 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 know now. I think to to involve the greater community. I think yeah. more, and and I think that was something. I'm not sure that they they really had contacts or or really. Uh, thought about it that far. I think they got the sponsors that they wanted, and and right. they filled all the all the boxes up. Though the exhibition area was was pretty small, so there was only like I think about eight eight companies there, and wow. most of them weren't really, um, you know, directly. I mean, I would say most of them, but some of them weren't really directly connected to the podcasting space. So, gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, good. So maybe we'll see something from next year. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I think so. They're they're a company that's based out of New York, so we may see the event um, happen in that market at some point. Mm. Um, you know, Nashville is a is a is a nice city. It's has a really really nice um, convention center right downtown. Um, right. I mean, it's one of the nicest. Uh, facilities I've ever been to for a conference. Huh. So, yeah, and that's saying something. I've been to a lot of conference centers. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else? What, what are things happening in the news in the space? Of course, I mean, I, I see the newsletters come out. I saw Rob Walsh's uh, blast on, uh, you know, the privacy and oh, the podcast privacy space. stuff. Yeah. And, well, we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's something that I keep talking to people about and I keep asking these specific companies that Rob is referring to and they they act like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. They're, they got their heads stuck in the sand. They're refusing to even talk about if they're any type of compliant with GDPR or even the upcoming you know, California privacy stuff. So right. And if, if you haven't read it, folks, Rob did uh, refer to, I think, three different companies that are doing different types of tracking in the podcasting space and basically tracking our listeners. Right. And how he has concerns about none of our listeners are able to opt in to this type of tracking. It's just being done. And yeah, it goes, well, it's, it's creating a situation where it would – you know, the option to opt out isn't even always there. You know, right? So, yeah, and I think I think we're in a in a time now where you know this is something we have to think about as a community. We it we we have a we have grounds to stand on and say we want your privacy to be protected. This is a this is a feature of podcasting that you're not going to be spied upon and marketed to because you listen to my show. That in itself cannot be said anywhere else in the free internet at this point. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you go, you're tracked. You're tracked on what you do, everything you search, emails you send. I mean, it it goes deep, 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 deep. Right. You know, and I've been picking up some items here or there. You know, I I did a Google on new printers. Um, And of course, what am I getting presented? Bunch of printers. Right. I was uh, Googling on different uh, security camera systems and what I'm being presented, security camera systems. So, you know, everything that I'm looking for here recently for the new studio, I'm getting marketed to in a big way. And um, there's the trigger has been sent that I've moved. So I've gotten all kinds of uh, uh, moving type of uh, solicitations. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yet, no one that listens to my podcast is knows, or people move when they're listening to podcasts. They don't know that they've moved. Yeah, we may know that uh, there's a listener shifted from Hawaii to Michigan, but that's it. Don't know who. Right. And 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 like Rob states in there, and the data is, has been showing this for a long time, but um, deep um, targeting um, isn't really that effective. I mean, it, it doesn't. And, and the Nielsen folks actually came out with some data not, not that long ago um, that was stating that there there really isn't a big difference between the ROI on advertising to a, a, a specific genre over over another. Um, I mean, there can be slight, you know, couple point differences, um, but once you get into very granular targeting in ads and podcasts, it, it doesn't really create much of a bump in the results. Which, yeah. which is actually, from my view, is is really a good news because that means that um, really any advertiser can get results off of advertising in pretty much any podcast. Um, so we don't I, have I also to think, do do this targeting thing quite as much. Well, I also think the targeting isn't as effective in podcasting because there's not as big of an ad base. You don't right. have this wide breadth of advertisers right. that you know. HP is not targeting me in my right. podcast because they're not advertising in podcast. Right, and it, it just doesn't it, it doesn't drive better necessarily better results um, yeah. to get really granular in, in in targeting. So, I I don't think that there's a real need for this anyway. Uh, I think a lot of companies or some of the companies are using it as a marketing ploy to to say, well, you know, we can do this and we can do that. That's better than someone else. But um, is it really going to bring any difference in the results? And I, I are think, you going to piss off a lot of people along the way because you're you're doing it? You know? I think we, we as a community are going to have to be very careful. And as podcasters, you need to be very careful with using these systems. You right. have to ask some hard questions here because – what happens when someone gets pissed off that's in Europe and says, I feel that I'm being spied upon by right. my podcast I'm listening to. Um, hey, EU, it yeah, looks right. like they're singling me out. Right. And then the hammer comes, and then all of a sudden people are getting getting sued. Right. Getting big fines levied on big them and stuff. Fines. Right. And it's it's be, and it isn't going to be back to you, the the provider that's providing the service. It's going to be back to you, the host. You are fully responsible. And you know, we spent. I, Rob, you guys, I think, did too. We all spent a huge amount of time and huge capital, capital being cash and company resources to um, make sure that we were. Uh, we're complying with the EU law, you know, and uh, and we just made it global. And if someone's using our service and then doesn't end around on us and add some sort of tracking data, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. You know that that's out of our hands. We've done our part. 
They're going to come to us and say, hey, you're, you're infringing on my privacy. I'm like, no, we're not. Go to the host. All right. Maybe I'm being a little overdramatic, but it could come to that. All right. So, Todd, did you also see the um, the article in uh, podnews.net about the podcast advertising revenue from 2015 to 2021? Yeah, we were... We contributed to the IEB uh, data set on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not shocked, but I think it's still maybe a stretch to get where they think we're going to get. Yeah, because it's showing in 2019 that we're going to be close to $700 million, $678 million. In 2019, I don't know if we're going to get there. You think we're going to get there? Mm. I want to know where it's all being spent. Right. <laughs> and then it says 2020, we're getting, we're, we're up another hundred million. Yeah. And then it, 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 two, it, the two, problem two, is it's, it's trickling up. It's not trickling down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it it's growing, but you know, are are we going to hit a billion by 2021? I I think it's a yeah. big question. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a big reach. We'll see. And I'm not sure. You know, I I suppose you know if if these big um, platforms can get better and better at driving audience to podcasting, if the overall audience numbers for podcasting accelerates. The other thing that's holding about is, is this U.S. only revenue? That's the that's the thing, um, or is this global revenue? It doesn't really ever say. Do you, do you mm-hmm. know, Todd? Don't know. Because I know that the industry well, is I, moving I more and more. And What's that? Well, the data we contributed was, I think it's global. Is it global? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we broke out. Well, we may have broke out U.S. revenue versus. I mean, not that the advertising market outside of the U.S. is that strong. It's it's not. But I think over over time, it's going to get better. It's going to mm-hmm. it's going to contribute to audience growth. It's going to contribute to to advertising opportunities um, for for ad spots or host reads going into content coming from any country um so it'll just be targeting probably isn't the right word for it but it's focused um ads in in markets around the world that would be specific to those markets so if you're listening to let's say a podcast out of the u.s the 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 advertising spot that could be heard within that u.s based podcast could be an advertising spot that was bought by an advertiser in the country that it's being listened to. Um, yeah. If that ad spot could be like a pre-recorded host read um, mm-hmm. that maybe is done in the local language of that country. So, so we may see advertising be in a different language from the podcast. Um, so we'll, or, or it could be in English as well. Um, I think those are question marks that I'm not sure that we entirely have an answer to i think we're 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 seeing some of this stuff happen 
I think uh, more and more with the with the programmatic and the the dynamic advertising is is it advertising out of these uh, variety of countries around the world. I think are going to straddle this line because if you think about listeners outside of the U.S., they are they're typically bilingual. Um, they speak English or they they understand English, but they primarily speak their their local country language. So I think we're gonna. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out um, on the advertising side. And I was, I've been talking to a company in space that has um, got an interesting play, and they're looking to take uh, um, English-spoken podcast and then actually do a complete translation. translation and actually right. have no, a, I've been hearing about have that voice, too. Yeah, yeah. have a voice talent come in and re-record it in a different language so right or or todd the other thing could happen it could be a it could be a, a pure voice translation done by a computer <laughs> yeah i don't think that is as effective as a, a real read but no it's not but well, i think but you that, got, that technology is going to be getting better over the next few years so yeah, yeah i think so we'll see yeah it's you know it's uh, hard to do that at scale to have uh and then you think about all the podcasts out there. Then how do you, you know, how do you get all of those converted uh, with a real a real person? You know, right. let's say you have five languages. That to scale that is, um, I don't think cheap. And at the same time, you know, I don't know how how you scale that beyond a few languages. But, Though Todd, I did um, hear about a a company or a couple of companies out there that are that are. Basically, you know, allowing you as a person to come in and clone yourself as a as a digital voice, you know, um, right? And then you could uh, run a transcript very, through yeah, there. Yeah, very expensive, and yeah. it's not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's at the it's at the leading edge of it. But what the what the possibility is is that you could create your podcast, it gets transcribed um, into a text-based version, and then that gets run through an engine um, that's that has been pre-mapped to your voice. Um, Scary. So you, you go through this process of training this, uh, this voice assistant, essentially is what it is, yep. um, to, to sound like your voice and to well, have the inflections... Like all I need then, Rob, is to record you for long enough and then create a transcript right. and uh, have you uh, uh, write what – I can make it say whatever I wanted it to say. I know, exactly. So there's – I have big issues there. there you know. There is a lot of concern about um, who owns that, who who can use it, right? I think it's an issue that – Oh, there's, there's no laws on that. Anybody right. can at this point. Right, and – there's this is a big issue on the video side too. Adobe came out with that new software that, that yep. enables you know people. Well, you look how freaked out people got just by changing the uh, the the audio. Um, and yet that thing that was out there on Nancy Pelosi, you know, basically all they did was shifted right. the audio just a little bit, and made right. her sound slower. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it sounded like she was intoxicated or something, right? Right. Yeah, so all, yeah. all they did was, and that was not even using anything fancy. That was just shifting the audio a little bit. So, right, right. 
uh, well, time will tell. We're in a whole new, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. So it, it may be possible to create a, a version of your podcast in multiple languages using this technology, but it gets back to who who controls the the rights of your voice once it, once you put it out there. Yep. Yep. I mean, if you think about it from like a like a big celebrity like a Joe Rogan or an Adam Carolla or something like that, some listener could go out and clone his yep. voice. Yep. And start creating audio. Yeah. You know, fun, fun, fun stuff. Right. Right. It's going to be the next ultimate freakout zone for podcasters. Their their audiences out there replicating them. Yep. <laughs> well, all kinds of crazy stuff going on, exciting times. So what is the next event? Is it, is it Podcast Movement is our next big event? I'm I think so, think. yeah. I think yeah. that's the next big uh big hit and then the fall hits and uh, there's a whole bunch of um, other smaller yeah, events all kinds of stuff up. going on i'm right. already filling my schedule up it's crazy yeah yep. i told my uh my mom i'm like you're not gonna see me too much in um july and august <laughs> right in september <laughs> you know, and october thinking, when too get, right when am i gonna get this studio built you know i'm going to be here a few weeks here and there so it's yeah it's todd when are you going to get your studio back up again i, I kind of oh, want to do we, we got to get the stuff first you know everything's got to be shipped in first so <laughs> i know, I know it, it's it won't be here a, any earlier than the 21st it's probably on a boat right now right no it's it's uh it, it's in long beach oh, as i said earlier oh, yeah okay. the, it, oh, it is in long beach know. okay so hopefully it's being put on a train. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm hoping that it, uh, in fact, has, I got my phone charging on the floor because I'm in a room that was, has no furniture, none. There's uh, one old reception desk here. And uh, let's see here. Let me look and see if I can figure out where it's at. Uh, app, 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 too many apps. Track my container. All right, where is it now? Now it says discharge from vessel. So it was offloaded on 1146 yesterday. (laughs) So hopefully it does. It's um, hopefully it's loaded to a train track soon. Well, that's that's awesome. Means it's making it there. Yep, and at least it's not in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. So. Right. Hey, so if you were curious about this whole voice avatar concept that I was talking about a little bit earlier, you certainly can I can I can give a give a website address that you can go to if you want to, you know. Yeah, see they this. they did one they did one podcaster and he's not so happy about it either. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Yeah, they used his his voice as a uh example. Okay. Well, should we share this what, what yeah, website address? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it's at uh, L Y R E Bird. It's uh, what's it? Uh, Larry Bird. Dot uh-huh. A I. And it's L L Y R E B I R D. Dot A I. All right. Well, people can go check that out. Yep. You can create your own. Vocal avatar is what they call it. Uh, fun. So it says the process is that you, 
you record yourself reading 30 sentences and then it, it, it creates a vocal avatar that sounds like you. And uh, uh. I, I, you use your vocal avatar anywhere you want. <clears throat> yeah. And what's the cost? Um, let's see here. I haven't seen a cost. They're not upfront about it. If the okay, here's a frequently asked questions. Let's see here if it says um, generate phrases. Um, it doesn't talk about cost. Yeah. It could be one of these free startups that is just trying to get, you know, mm-hmm. voice samples in at the beginning. Uh, let's see. I have created a digital voice, but it doesn't sound like me. Why? Let's say. Well, oh. someone made a comment. So these are, this, these are some Q&A questions. Um, it says, what am I required to do to create my voice avatar? Create an account. Um, say, uh, here's a question: What are you doing with my audio recording? Mm, so, mm, so right, we are using them to create your digital voice. This data will never be shared with others. Huh. Says, yeah. uh, can I delete my digital voice or my data? Yes, you can delete at any time. Um, I have created my di- digital voice, but I, it doesn't sound like me. Does it only work for English? Yes. For the time being, they say, it tends to work yep. better for people with an English um, accent. Mm. So they haven't migrated it to other languages yet, but I'm sure that they're working on that would be my guess. So here's a little interesting thing for you. I... Uh was, uh, you know, I posted that thing in uh, Facebook more than a week ago about the origin story of podcasting. Right. And um, you should have seen some of the feedback I got on that. Really? Yeah. It was uh, not at all positive. There was a bunch of people. Yeah, people were basically um, not believing what I put out. Mm Mm-hmm. And calling it in into question, which and, uh, what, what part got people riled up the most? Oh, the, it just the about the space being you know in the beginning we were you know kind of like screw the man and um, you know the complete indie vibe and oh yeah you know and controlling your distribution and right. so. You know, there's a lot of a mentality out there now that they think people don't believe that they, they they just want they think it's a right to be distributed, not that they get to choose who they're going to distribute to. So I think that's part of the um, it's just a different mindset. People just don't know the past, right? I mean, it is this medium has changed in that way a lot, um, and I. I think it's been okay the the change that's happened i I think the the stick it to the man orientation of the medium in the early days was um, in some ways maybe wasn't that helpful, but 
I think it was um, that's just what what it was back then. I mean, it wasn't cool to have advertising in your show back then. Right. It was a you know it was a free spirited medium. We were anti radio. Um, you know, I, even though I was doing a radio show at the time, so I you know to, to many in the podcasting space in the early days, I was I was I felt anyway. I felt like I was a little bit of an outsider. Mm-hmm. in the early days of the medium. I don't think I've ever said that before. But And then then a lot of the, the early people involved in the medium um, didn't like the name podcasts. Yeah. So it, it, it was not a – at the time, and I'm, what I'm talking about is here is like 2014 time frame. It was not necessarily a popular name. Oh, um, 2004, you mean? I, 2004, right, correct. Yeah. Um, it – it was not a, a well thought of or popular name. There's a lot of people that didn't agree with the name. Uh, were very vocal about it. Um, I I have an audio recording from what was done with a, a very early group in Seattle. It was called the Podcast Dinner. That was done in Seattle. It's about an hour and a half audio recording of um, some of the very early podcasters that m- many in the medium probably wouldn't uh, remember who they are. Um, but um, they were very vocal about the fact that, you know, that's not a good name. Um, let's use something different. Um, so, you know, and Todd, I think we have to be very clear about this. Um, whenever you have a new medium like this, not everybody's on the same page. Um yep. Everybody, I mean, that time frame was very, very heavy in traditional media. It was also a very heavy time um, around Napster and how MP3s were were disrupting the music industry at the time. Um, video and television were starting to discover the, the the impacts of the web and the internet back then. Um, I mean, it was a very heavily transitional time in in the online culture, and the the show that I did back in those days was about the internet and the web and the culture of the of the changes in the medium. So I was very much involved in in that, in trying to understand it, trying to communicate about it to the audience that I was doing my show for, and and it. it it was a very different time than it is now. I mean, in some ways, technology and the web and the internet today is is almost like talking about like a like a telephone now. It, it mm-hmm. just it it's just technology is not as cool as it used to be. Yeah. Um, so we're in a very different time than we were back in two thousand four, and I think a lot of people just you know, especially newer people and younger people, just don't understand it because they didn't live through it. And they also have the freedoms of phones that allow people to do what they want to do, and there isn't this restriction of, right. you know, content restrictions like there used to be. Right. So, right. well, anyway, we are. What have we got? Anything else to really go through? I think we covered all the all the big stuff, Todd. I think you know it's been about an hour. We've been doing the show, so. So I'm going to be uh, in Columbus Monday through Thursday. Then I'm going to be in Cleveland on Friday, meeting some folks there. A very interesting product. I'll be talking about it probably next week on the show. Oh, good. Uh, be back here again next Saturday to do this. My schedule is going to be kind of weird sometime at some point in the end of the month. Uh, I'll keep you advised on that, Rob. But uh, um, yeah, who knows where I'm going to be doing the show from. But yeah, nice to be having the roadcaster back and uh, 
Right. Well, I have that under my my uh, cognizance because it's uh, it's a great piece of gear. Yeah, and if it's just a matter of getting an internet connection, and you know, since we're just audio, probably for the next probably yeah. what month or so. Yeah. Um, it's going to be easy for us to 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 do the show. Yeah, and I want to have things done right here when I get the. You know, I'm taking my time and getting the studio dialed in, and right. again, heck, you know, I got to get the gear here first, and but I'm doing all the prep to have. I'm going to paint one room green screen green. It's going to be green screen green. <laughs> awesome. So there's a potential of four studios here. So there's wow. going to be the Geek News Central set. There's probably going to be the new. Maybe that'll double as a new media show set. I don't know. Definitely a green screen set, and then I've got maybe one that's going to be audio only. <clears throat> But anyway, I put up, uh, you go on Facebook and you go to my, just search for my name, Todd Cochran, you'll find the walkthrough I did of this space. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, awesome. Get an idea of the, and I'll do an update here probably before I leave today to show the uh, partitions haven't been removed. And again, probably tomorrow I'm going to be painting. So, the, awesome. the office used to be a dentist's office. And I guess the best way to, Describe the color in the main reception area as baby shit yellow. So <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan, but I'm not a fan of painting either. So I'm trying to weigh whether or not I can deal with the color. So yeah, I think I can. I I can mention this on the on the show, but it's looking like um, we're going to have a, a new media show up on stage at the that uh, podcast movement this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. That'll be on the the live streaming stage. Oh, that's going to be fun. We'll do it again. We had a good turnout from the last one we did at uh, at, uh, Podcast, or Podfest. Podfest, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. It's Todd at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on the Twitter feed. Rob? Uh, Rob at uh, RobGreenlee.com or Rob G at uh, Lipson.com now. So... Yeah, and uh, Rob, I guess you're going to send me the. I f- forgot to hit record on the Roadcaster. I have this beautiful piece of gear here, and forgot to hit record. So we'll take the recording you have and uh, okay. use that. Yeah. Okay. We but can do that. Everyone, thanks. We'll be. I guess we'll be back here next Saturday, same time. Right. Okay. Sounds All terrific, right. Todd. All right, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next time on the new media show. Okay. Stay take subscribed. Care. Thanks. Bye bye.